kind of an intimate program, really, when you think about it. It's a source of intimacy for couples. Uh, maybe if you and your significant other, maybe you're just not connecting right now, we'll throw the show on in the background and join it together. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. I think I got a little fat and cocky this morning, prematurely, and last night. Brewers game ended about midnight, somewhere around there. It was late. I'm like, oh, I feel great. I'm not tired at all. I can stay up. I can watch another one of these games. Let's play two. Doubleheader. Not even the seven-inning doubleheader. Let's go the full nine. Let's go 18 innings. I can stay up till three watching these games. And then this morning, I'm like, ah, have a cup of coffee. Today's going to be light work. I was born to run on no sleep. Well, uh, <laughs> you get to about 3 o'clock, I start to change my tune a little bit. But that's fine. We have Brewers win to talk about tonight. Roster cut down day in the NFL. The Packers really didn't do anything all that interesting or surprising. I guess we have a new punter. There were some interesting surprising cuts around the NFL. Cam Newton got released. That is fascinating on so many different levels. So we have no shortage of interesting topics tonight. I'm just going to do my best to stay awake for them all. Because I didn't go to bed right after the game last night. I can never go to bed right after the game. It's the same with Sunday Night Football. I need an hour to calm myself down. After a thrilling win or a gut-wrenching loss. I can't just fall right to sleep. What am I, a psychopath? No. But I've been gearing myself up today. I'm going to make it through these two hours. not going to fall asleep at the mic. I'm not going to yawn. If I can make it through these two hours without yawning, it'd be a good accomplishment. It's the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you've had a wonderful day. If you're not totally gassed from, <laughs> from staying up till midnight watching the Brewers. It was an awesome game, and I want to start with the Brewers. We're going to get into the Packers more in the second half of the show, and for a couple of reasons. Number one, I mean, this Brewers-Giants series is a treat. Not every series throughout the course of an entire regular season is going to be great. This one, this is good baseball. So we should talk about it. We should start the show with that. Also, I don't want to get into the Packers until like 5 o'clock because I've been been kind of scrambling to catch up to all the roster moves today. And I'm not quite there yet. I want to make sure we have all our ducks in the row. Maybe there's another trade. Maybe there's something that breaks later on at 4.30, 4.45. It would be kind of stupid for me to do this long rehearsed preamble to begin the show and then have some news break and make the whole thing irrelevant. So I'm going to wait a little bit to get into the Packers. Although if you want to comment, if you want to throw your hat in the ring and share your opinion on Ben Braden. How could they cut him? He was so good or whatever. I guess. Go ahead. 608-796-2558. The talk and text line. Twitter at Wisco Grant. You can follow along. Tweet along. Hit me up there. David Gasper is going to join us at 435. It's Tuesday. Tuesdays with Gasper from reviewing the brew. I actually talked to him about an hour ago. Recorded the conversation. I will play it for you at 435. But that's the old radio trick. We're going to make it sound all live behind the scenes. Now, I talked to him an hour ago. Talked about Christian Yelich, about Corbin Burns, his boy. Because if you've been reading Gasper for any period of time, you know for about the last two years, he's been banging the Corbin Burns for Cy Young drum. Even before last season, even in 2018, 2019, when he kind of wasn't all that great. More specifically in 2019, when he couldn't get it going. 2018, he was in the pen. That was different. He's been banging the Corbin Burns Cy Young train for a long time, I guess banging the drum, banging a train, that's not exactly an appropriate mental image. Radio is theater of the mind. I don't want to put that in your head. He hasn't been banging a train. He's been banging a drum. So he's feeling all fat and happy 
We'll talk to him about his boy Corbin Burns, Christian Yelich, a little bit of Craig Council as well, and about game one of what's hopefully going to be a really good four-game set. Let's start with last night, about last night. Brewers won 3-1. to one. And on yesterday's show, we were comparing food prices and expectations with food prices relative to the price of food if you're going out to eat, right? We were talking about Jordan Love. And why, because he's a first-round pick, we should expect better than a fifth-round pick. The same way if you were to buy a dollar McChicken or a dollar forty-nine or however much they are versus a $130 steak. To continue that analogy, because it's one I enjoy, the twin series from this weekend was an hour-old McChicken. It's been in your car and you forgot about it. You're like, oh, yeah, I bought a McChicken for lunch. So I'm going to eat that. And there's a few cold French fries at the bottom of the bag. That was the twin series. Win or lose, it just wasn't very engaging baseball. I know you're like, oh, Grant, you're probably saying that because the Brewers lost. Well, even Sunday wasn't that rewarding. It was nice to see Aaron Ashby pitch. But at this point in the year, the Brewers have played 132 games. I mean, we've seen a lot of games. They're not all going to be first-round picks, to quote the other guys. Let's see, seven minutes in? No, not even. We're five minutes in, and we've already quoted the other guys. They're not all first-round picks. Not all these series are going to be amazing engaging, wire-to-wire, great games of baseball. Twins, not so much. The Twins series was like that hour-old McChicken. It's been in your car. A couple of French fries were left in the bag. This giant series is a surf and turf dinner at a fine supper club. Slow, roasted prime rib with your choice of salmon or shrimp. Naturally, it comes with the choice of salad or soup, market price, no price on the menu, whatever the market price is. You don't need to know how much it costs. And it's only available Thursday through Saturday, which doesn't exactly fit this series because this is a Monday through Thursday series, but it's the food analogy. It's surf and turf. This is awesome. This is great. You're taking out your woman for dinner. It's your anniversary. You're not going to Mac Shack. You're going to a supper club. You're going to a fine establishment. It's dimly lit. Candles on the bar. Leather padded. Maybe get an old-fashioned surf and turf. Prime rib, baby. Can't get that during the week. Only on the week ends. And you don't know how much it costs because it's not on the menu. That's that's this giant series. Last night was good baseball. Everything about this series I love so far. Oracle Park is beautiful. It's a great setting for a baseball game. I want to go there someday. I've never been to San Francisco. I, I have a feeling that it really feels like you're next to a great lake. Even though you're on the ocean, it's chilly. There's a breeze. I love that. Like I'm in Duluth or Superior or uh, Lake Michigan is not my favorite Great Lake. If we were to power rank Great Lakes, it would not be number one. That's Lake Superior, and it's not close. But you can talk about uh, Milwaukee, Chicago. They're Great Lakes. That's what it feels like, and I love that feel. And not to be the guy that talks about vibes. Talked about Kanye a lot yesterday, so I feel like we've really been hitting vibe-type conversations. Amazing vibes. Right off the bay, all the fans are in jackets and in sweatshirts and in long sleeves. It felt like a playoff game. And I read that from so many people last night who were at the game. Adam McCalvey, who covers the Brewers, Brewers.com, MLB.com, tweeted this at the end of the game. And I'm like, ooh, goosebumps. Adam tweets, the Brewers take the first of four games against the Giants 3-1, including the chill in the air. That could have been an October baseball game. Ooh, talk dirty to me, Adam. And I think it's because also we've watched so many high leverage postseason games at what used to be AT&T Park. Now it's Oracle Park. In San Francisco, we watched the Bruce Bochy Dodgers play so many late-season meaningful playoff games that now when we watch baseball games there, we just assume, we, we come to the assumption that they're important because we've been conditioned. We've seen so many great games there. Felt like a playoff game. 
Corbin Burns spoke after the game. Corbin Burns was fantastic last night. You know this. You watched or you certainly read about it this morning. Six full innings pitched, one earned run, nine strikeouts, zero walks. Just Corbin Burns things. Just dotting the corners, had all his pitches working. It was great. He spoke after the game about how it felt like a playoff game. The vibe. Corbin, it, it looked like on both sides, a lot of tense at bats, both your hitters, your, you know, you, you facing their hitters. It's, I mean, you guys have only played them four times, but they've been really good games, haven't they? Yeah. Um, you know, they played us tough in, in Milwaukee. Um, and we were a little shorthanded with our with our bullpen that series. So, um, you know, obviously it's good to come out and get a, you know, get a win in the game one tonight. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was, that was definitely a, you know, playoff atmosphere and something that, you know, could be for, you know, foreshadowing what we might see in the, in the postseason. You feed off of that. And I like how the Brewers aren't being shy about talking about games late in the season, in the postseason. Their mind is there. Yeah. Business isn't finished. They still got to win the division and qualify for the postseason and, and hold on. But they're thinking with a long-term mindset. They're thinking, Hey, come October, this is what we're going to need to do. We're going to be in this type of game. We're going to need these type of performances. And I don't think the Packers have always thought that way. I don't think the Packers have always had this type of forward thinking. It's a fine line to walk. Like I said, you need to finish the job and close out the season. But if you want to win the World Series or make the World Series, you got to think, okay, come October, what do we need? Who do we need? And how do we need to play? And Corbin Burns and the Brewers, not shy about addressing that, albeit, I think, in a measured, respectful perspective-filled way. Craig Council, much of the same, brought up the extra velocity from Josh Hader and how that was a product of the atmosphere and how the adrenaline was going for these players in a really big game last night. This is a fun place to play. There, there's great, they have, there's really good atmosphere here. Um, they're, they're, they have good fans here. They make it feel like a big game. That's I think Josh felt it too. And and so you're, you're, the players get adrenaline too. And then and, and Josh felt, had some adrenaline tonight and was Feeling good, so, you know, we saw a little bit of uptick in velocity. Beat reporters, Adam McAlvey, players, Corbin Burns, manager, Craig Council, all speaking to the vibes, for lack of a more specific professional term. Speaking to the energy in the park, the types of at-bats, the the feeling that everyone had, the adrenaline, right? Speaking in in kind of a a grand 10,000-foot view sense about the energy that was in the park and why this game felt like it did, and, and I think we felt that watching at home. In a more concrete sense, right, Craig Council actually described the attributes of this game, the attributes and the details and, 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 well, the events that took place in last night's game that are specific of a playoff game. Not just the energy, but the X's and O's, the at-bats, the actual attributes. It's the kind of game that uh, you play here. It's you got to get hits with runners in scoring position. Uh, you got to play good defense. It, uh, that's what the game was tonight, really. Um, you got you to pitch well. And so... You know, we, we did a nice job. Corbin was excellent. Our, our bullpen was excellent again. You know, we got some early runs. Uh, big two-out hit by Omar. Corbin helped helped the cause. You know, nice at-bat by Louis Urias to, to, to punch a run home. You know, unfortunately, the double, the ball Jay said is, you know, a bomb, which is a, which is how the, this park suppresses runs because that's a home run in every other park. And, and unfortunately, we don't score a run because of it. Two-out hitting. Hitting with runners in scoring position. Making big pitches in big moments, in late, high-leverage innings, right? Craig Council moving past the energy and the vibes and the adrenaline and saying, hey, this happened in the first, this happened in the third, this happened in the sixth, this player did this, this player did this. That, most of all, is what made this a playoff-type game. This is the recipe. These are the ingredients for games in late September. By the way, September's tomorrow. Nice. 
and then into October in the postseason as well. Let's just stick with the offense, then we'll get to Corbin Burns after this. The scoring wasn't easy last night. There were no crooked numbers, no team batted around in an inning. There was nothing easy. The Brewers scored three runs, and all of the runs were scattered in between the first inning, the second inning, and the eighth inning. In the first inning, Yelich has a double. Avi Garcia advances him on a ground out to second base, and then Narvaez knocks him in with a clutch two-out RBI. A sack fly wouldn't have done it. A fielder's choice wouldn't have done it. It needed to be a hit with two outs, and Narvaez stepped up and scored the run, or I guess batted in the run, the RBI. With two outs, single, clutch. In the second inning, Jace Peterson walks. Jackie Bradley Jr. advances him on a ground out, which is like the best play he's made in a month. Corbin Burns then gets the RBI single with one out. Didn't bunt him over, didn't advance him via a sacrifice fly or a ground ball. RBI, single, with one out. And then in the eighth inning, Avi Garcia works a walk in a six-pitch at bat, an at-bat that started with him falling behind 0-2, gets his way on base. Then Rowdy Telez singles him over. Then Urias, with one out, hits a sack fly to right field. On a full count, nonetheless. I was watching the game with a friend who really doesn't watch baseball, and I'm like, all right, this is a big bat here. If he can just put it in the air, put it in the outfield, put it in play, just put the bat on the ball. And he did, and he hooked one well deep enough into right field to score that run. It's a big ballpark, right? So you have a clutch two-out hit in the first inning, a pitcher getting an RBI single in the second inning, and then Urias doing whatever it takes after Avi Garcia did whatever it takes to get on base to get that run in on a sacrifice fly. Those are the types of plays that need to be made in close games in September and in playoff games to win games against good teams. It's not just about the vibes and the cold air and the the bay blowing in cold breeze. No, there were ingredients of that game last night. When you add them all together, that's a quality baseball game. And Burns just kept going and going and going. And we got to the third or the fourth inning, and I was waiting for trouble. I was waiting for the first two guys to reach. I was waiting for the walks to start. I was waiting for Burns to lose control. And it never happened. The trouble never came. The walks never showed up, at least until the seventh inning. And I wrote this down last night. I'm not sure this is something I could be reaching for a topic here. But Craig Council let Corbin Burns go out to start the seventh inning. And I'm not sure if it was because the Brewers are playing the Giants, who are a really good team. I'm not sure if it's because it's almost September. Now, he was only at 89 pitches when he came out for the seventh inning, and that's hardly concerning. That's not a fat number. I don't think that's a dangerous number. But it is a little bit out of character for Craig Council, and Corbin Burns had been giving up some hard contact, right? There was a pertinent 400-foot flyout in the fourth inning, The third time through the order for Corbin Burns has been tough, but it's tough for most pitchers. I don't mean to pick on Corbin Burns here. I'm glad Craig Council let him come back out. And yes, he put the first two batters on, and then we got Boxberger, because Boxberger gave me my favorite moment of the game last night. And the moment was Boxberger getting out of the seventh, preserving the lead at 2-1, and we got to watch Corbin Burns react as Boxberger cleared out that inning and preserved the decision, at least for that inning, for Corbin Burns, keeping him in line for the win if the Brewers could hold on. That was cool. Seeing Corbin Burns celebrate and seeing some fiery emotion, seeing the bullpen picking up the starting rotation, that, 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 that is good baseball. I loved that energy. We'll listen to this and then we'll take a break. Corbin Burns talking about Brad Boxberger picking him up and the back end of the bullpen in general just being so effective. Boxberger's done great, but just the you know the, the back end of the bullpen in general. 
yeah, those guys have, have been putting, you know, a couple of tough situations with some close games against good teams and they go out there and they do, do their job like it's just another day. You know, so you, you got to give those, you know, a credit to a lot of those guys, um, you know, in box, Devin and, and Hayter there in the back end and even, um, you know, Cousins and Strickland sometimes coming in, coming in and throw the sixth and, um, you know, the seventh if we have a, you know, a little bigger lead, but, um, those guys have been, have been phenomenal back there and, you know, have helped us win a lot, a lot of baseball games. Corbin Burns showing that energy in the dugout. That's, that's good baseball. Let's do it again tonight at, oh, 845. <laughs> nice. Let's take a break. I want to check in on one other Brewers topic, storyline, thing, before we get to David Gasper at 435, and that's Christian Yelich. He had a pretty good night last night, and he's stacking up good night after good night after good night, and he's showing these signs of promise. He's showing these indicators here and there, indicators that we've been watching for, things that we've had our eye on, the power the on-base percentage, and especially hitting the ball to all fields. And that's what I want to talk about coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter at Wisco Grant. Just Jeff tweets in. Jeff, cut yourself a little more slack than that. You're a lot more than just Jeff to me. He tweets in and says, my man, my man, my man, my man. Need me some Packers info after work. What's going on in Green Bay? Well, uh, not comprehensive. I can't off the dome totally tell you everybody they cut, but I can give you a half decent idea. No more Kirk Benkert. No more Equinemia St. Brown, Reggie Begleton, Juwan Winfrey. Wide receivers are out. Uh, O-line, no more Cole Van Lannan. No more Ben Braden. Running backs, no more Dexter Williams. No more Patrick Taylor. Uh, Jay Sternberger is suspended still. And they got rid of Ennis Gaines, the safety. KB Anento, the corner, is out as well. I don't find any of these surprising. And we'll talk more about that at 5. I really want to lean into the Packers after 5 o'clock. I don't really find any of these cuts surprising. And, of course, they're all candidates to be on the practice squad if nobody else picks them up. That goes without saying. Little Packers update. We'll get an update update. Mike Clements at 450 and 550 from Green Bay. Info on what's up with the Packers saying. I think we'll talk. I'm surprised Mike didn't text me today for a hit. Maybe tomorrow or Thursday. For sure Thursday. Maybe tomorrow. We'll get connected with Mike Clements, our embedded green and gold reporter for the Wisconsin Sports Zone. Radio Network. We're talking Brewers right now because this series is awesome. And Packers season is just getting started. The interesting part of Brewers season is just getting started. And this series is choice. I made the comparison to start the show. The twin series was like a stuffy, stale, cold McChicken that you forgot about in your car. It's like, yeah, you can eat it. And it's probably not going to get you sick. I have eaten day old. I've eaten day old Taco Bell that was left in my car, except it was the winter. So it was cold. It was like eating cold pizza, cold bean burrito, actually pretty good. This giant series is like surf and turf. Prime rib, you get the choice of salmon or shrimp, and it comes with a side salad or soup. Market price, naturally, only available probably Thursday through Saturday. They're not wasting their time on Monday, Tuesday. Get something else. Don't bother. Supper club doesn't, you know, shell out the good stuff unless it's the weekend. That's this giant series. It's been great. And we talked about Corbin Burns. We talked about the playoff atmosphere. One thing I did want to touch on before we get connected with David Gasper, reviewing the brew at 435, Mentioned this yesterday a little bit, talking about Christian Yelich, about how he looks better, 
about how this is certainly the best version I think we've seen of him in 2021, and it's been an odyssey. It's been a journey. Remember, he had the back injury, and he had COVID, and he was healthy, and then he wasn't healthy, and we thought, oh, maybe he'll miss a year. Oh, my God, that's scary. He's getting paid a lot of money, and then there's no power. Where's the power? And it's slowly but surely getting there. And in 2018 or in 2019 or even last year to a degree, although I don't even like using last year for an example for anything, in previous seasons, this type of year from Yelich would be catastrophic. The Brewers wouldn't have been able to stay afloat, but they've had Avi Garcia, who's been great, and Colton Wong, who's been great, and Omar Narvaez has become the better version of himself, and Urias and Adamas, and friggin' Jace Peterson is finding... Jace Peterson is a winning player, and I almost said that as a joke a couple of weeks ago. He's like, well, he does things that win you games. You know, walks, steals, timely hit, he's a winning player. Jace Peterson was a meme last year and earlier this season, and he just is there, makes winning plays. He had a great he had three hits last night, and a walk. Man just does winning baseball things. You would have had an RBI, except it bounced over the wall. Ground rule double. Craig Council talked about that a little bit earlier. The Brewers are a lot deeper this year, and they could absorb a bad, slow season from Christian Yelich and wait for him to come around. So it's a luxury that we can say, hey, he's slowly getting there. He's slowly improving because the Brewers roster is good enough to wait on Christian Yelich this year. Now, they play the Dodgers or the Padres or the Giants or any of these teams in the postseason. If they want to advance to the World Series or win a championship, they're probably going to need the best version of Christian Yelich at some point. The regular season? They're 28 games over 500. I think they're doing okay. And they just took the first game from the Giants in their own ballpark. Now, the Giants starting pitchers dealing with a little COVID, but then when the Giants played the Brewers in Milwaukee, the Brewers were dealing with COVID at the back end of their bullpen. No one was available. So two kind of clunky series. I don't want to overanalyze the injury or the COVID part of either one of these series. The point is Yelich is looking better now than he has all year. And I remember last week, David Gasper told us to watch three things. And I've been using these three things as a bit of a measuring stick, as a lens through which to view Christian Yelich at bats. We're looking for three things. On base, hitting with power, and hitting to all fields. And if he does all three of them exceptionally well, then you get MVP Christian Yelich. If he does all three pretty well, or he does two of the three pretty well, still getting a very good player. And that might be enough with the Brewers in 2021 because this roster is really good, as we just kind of BSed about. Let's start with on base. He has a nine-game hitting streak. He has a hit in 17 of 18 of his last games. And the one game he didn't get a hit was a game where he only got a pinch hit opportunity. He's eighth in the National League in walks. So he's getting on base. He's been active. He's putting pressure on the defense, pressure on the pitcher. And when he's not putting the bat on the ball, at least with strong contact, he's getting on base via the walk top 10 in the National League in walks. So he's getting on base. That he has by and large been doing all season. He's doing it better recently. He's always been taking walks and and being okay, especially with runners in scoring position. He's been a little bit better. Hitting for power. Now the homers haven't been there, except for when I bet American Family Field. I've gone to two games, seen three home runs, including a grand slam. So just send me. My Venmo is my first and last name. Go ahead, hit me up. I'll get some more tickets, make my way back to Milwaukee. The homers haven't been there, but as we referenced yesterday through Will Salmon's research and the recommendation and the tip from Richie and Eau Claire, I'll read this from Salmon's piece the other day. Yelch's average exit velocity on nine batted balls in three games against the Reds last week was 95 miles per hour. For the season and before the series, it was around 90. Some more good signs for him continued in those three games despite not hitting one out of the park. He struck out just once, had two walks, and went three for nine with two doubles. Things looked even better in Minnesota. On nine batted balls in three games against the Twins, Yelich's average exit velocity was 100.7 miles per hour. 
Often, he was driving the ball in the air and with authority. In the series, he went 4 for 10 with a double, sack, fly, two walks, and just two strikeouts. The pop is there. Power? Slugging? Home runs? Not quite, but the power is there. You just hope that he makes one additional tweak here, one additional tweak there, continues on this upward trajectory throughout the last month of the season, and we start getting the power when it matters most. Now, hitting the ball to all fields, this is the most obvious Yelich trait of them all right now, and you saw it last night. He had a double to right field. He had a line drive that should have gone past the third baseman, except Chris Bryant made an exceptional play. So he's shooting the ball down both lines. He had a double to deep left on Sunday and a single to center field too. On Saturday, he had a sacrifice fly to right and a single to right field. So he's working the opposite field. He's working up the middle and he's pulling the ball here and there too. That grand slam he hit last weekend was a rocket. Pulled it dead to right center. Right over the Toyota Tundra territory or whatever it's called now. The Sienna section or the the RAV4. I don't have an R. We'll work on that. I don't know. The Toyota thing where the car is. Straight missile to right center field. He pulled it. So he's shooting the ball down both lines. He's attacking the center of the field. And I think at one point during the Bally Sports Wisconsin, maybe it was the pregame or the game broadcast, they had the spray chart of all of his hits in the last week or so all over the place. That's a really, really positive sign. They're probably still going to put the shift on for him because those kinds of things take a long time to adjust. Managers are going to want to see Yelich continue to spray the ball to all fields before they start playing him dead center with no shift, especially for him to pull. But we're headed in the right direction, and that's something I want to talk about with David Gasper coming up next. We'll also talk about his boy, Corbin Burns, and a little bit about Craig Council and his bullpen management. You might be thinking, Grant, how do you already know what you're going to talk about with David Gasper? Well, between you and me, a little behind the scenes, I talked to him at like 3.30, recorded the conversation, and I will play it for you coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. Appreciate you hanging out. A lot of Packers talk coming up after 5 o'clock. We're going to have to talk about who they got rid of, who they kept. They got rid of J.K. Scott, by the way. That bum's out of town. Former fifth-round pick. Never really was any good. Not really at all. We're about to hear from David Gasper. This is a conversation I had with Dave about an hour ago. He's heading to the Timber Rattlers game tonight, so we need a little extra time. I'm like, dude, of course. Our expert from reviewing the brew, anything for you. And Richie from Eau Claire texts in and aptly asks, uh, well, what are you going to do for the next 15 minutes while you play this recording? Richie, of course, I'm going to do research. I'm going to compile stats. I'm going to read, and I'm going to make this show better because that is my mindset. So I'm going to go get to work. Here's the conversation with David Gasper reviewing the brew. David Gasper reviewing the brew. It's Tuesday, my favorite day of the week because we get to talk baseball and I get to talk baseball with somebody else that's not just uh, myself. I get a little sick and tired of talking to myself all the time. Gasper, how are you? Last night, that's that's good baseball. That was good baseball last night. Yeah, that was that was absolutely excellent. Just really kind of what you wanted to see. Two uh, first-place teams going at it. Um, Corbin Burns just being electric as he usually is. And it was really kind of unfortunate for the Giants that, I mean, their, their starting pitcher, Johnny Cueto, just hours before got put on the, the COVID IL and uh, Alex Wood, who was supposed to start tonight, uh, also on COVID IL. So they lost their next two day starters. So I think that kind of put them in a little bit of a, a tough spot. But I mean, the way these two teams have played each other, 
um, you know, the first series back in Milwaukee and then now this one. I mean, it's been very close. And, I mean, these are two uh, pretty evenly matched and pretty similarly built teams. Um, so it, it presents a really good matchup, and the Brewers were able to pull it out last night. Well, in the atmosphere of what used to be AT&T, now is Oracle, it feels like it's on a great lake. It seems extra dark. It seems extra cold. It seems like a park that holds playoff baseball. And maybe that's because I got so used to watching the Giants in the playoffs for all of those years, and now when I see games there, it just feels extra intense. And Council and Burns mentioned that after the game. Burns also mentioned that the first time the Brewers and Giants played the Brewers were dealing with bullpen issues. So it was the bullpen getting hit by COVID the first time around, and now the Giants starters getting hit by COVID. So neither one of these teams probably would say that they've been at 100% full strength at the same time. Let's talk about Corbin Burns, because last night I kept waiting for the Giants to finally get something going against Burns. And every inning that Burns would clear, I think, okay, well, now the Brewers can get him some offense. Now they'll get him some runs, a bigger cushion than 2 nothing. And the Brewers' offense never did, and yet Corbin Burns kept coming out and just maneuvering through. And he gave up some hard-hit balls here and there, but never too many in succession and never enough to really cause damage until the seventh when Boxberger helped him out a little bit. I don't know what the numbers say, and of course it depends on which numbers you look at, but I think last night was just about as impressed as I have been with Corbin Burns all year. That's what an ace in a playoff game against a playoff team, that's what that looks like. And that was loud and clear last night. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that was just a fantastic performance from Burns. He had all of his pitches working. I mean, that, that's really kind of the thing. His past few outings, like, oh, he doesn't really have his cutter command or uh, things like that. He had the command of the, of the cutter, the changeup, the curveball, um, the, the slider, everything. He had all of his pitches working. Uh, and he was, you know, gassing up there, too, 98, 99 miles an hour, uh, hitting velocities that he has rarely ever reached. Um, hitting there, I mean, really even late into the game as well, uh, which is what you really love to see from Burns as he gets stronger as he goes on. And, I mean, that one run that came across, I mean, that was that was when Brad Boxberger was in, and it was the inherited runner that scored after he got into a jam there in seventh. Um, but, I mean, really, he was just lights out, and he kept a, a very strong Giants lineup in check that entire game. Uh, had some had some rough battles with, with you know guys like Lamont Wade and Brandon Belt who put up some good at bats because I mean they're just really good hitters, but yeah Burns just completely uh, dominated in that outing and did exactly what the Brewers needed him to do uh, in that situation starting a series against a team uh, that's also in first place uh, that's also in the postseason and has the best record in baseball. You know how I know that Corbin Burns is really difficult to hit because after the game last night Chris Bryant said man I got. Got traded to the Giants, and I thought I was away from this guy. I thought I was free from this guy, and now I've seen him twice ever since. Like, he's one of the best in baseball. Chris Bryant didn't have a prayer against Corbin Burns last night. And yet, when Chris Bryant came up in the ninth against Josh Hader, put a pretty good swing on him, right? And Josh Hader's been one of the most difficult pitchers, most difficult arms to hit in baseball the last couple of years. And it's almost like Chris Bryant looked relieved in that ninth inning. Okay, finally I get a crack at somebody else, not named Corbin Burns, and that guy was Josh Hader. So I think just comparing those two and and the perceived confidence, at least, that Chris Bryant had at the plate, a really good hitter, that really jumped out to me last night. You claimed two years ago that Corbin Burns would one day win a Cy Young. You've been prophetic about it at reviewing the Bruin. You've kind of ridden that train ever Mm -hmm. since. Could you put on your lawyer cap or your paralegal cap or whatever, if you were taking the stand right now and you had to argue to a jury or a judge as to why Corbin Burns should be the 2021 uh, Cy Young, what would you say? What would your argument be right now on August 31st? Well, I have right here in front of me a list of the records uh, so far that Corbin Burns has set. 
Most strikeouts before a walk to start a season as a starter, MLB record. Most strikeouts before a walk to start a season overall, MLB record. Uh, most whiffs in a single game, 30, franchise record, um, 10 straight strikeouts in a game, tied an MLB record uh, and set a new franchise record. First pitcher with 30-plus strikeouts and zero walks in his first three starts of a season, MLB record. Uh, first pitcher in MLB history to have 40-plus strikeouts, zero walks in any four-appearance span. Most strikeouts in five-appearance span without a single walk, MLB record. MLB record for most consecutive starts of nine-plus strikeouts and zero walks. And that's not even half of the list. And this is all just single-game stuff. This isn't even full-season records. We won't get that until the end of the year. But he's on pace to set several full-season Records as a pitcher. I mean, he's leading in uh, Fangraphs war uh, among MLB among National League pitchers. He's um, you know up there in strikeouts, ERA, uh, lowest walks. He's got one of the lowest all-time fielding independent pitchings mm-hmm. uh, of all time. The, the one of the lowest since um, Pedro Martinez in 1999, which has been regarded as the greatest uh, pitching season in MLB history. And he's at that level. You know, he, he's right around there. I mean, with the stuff that he has been doing has been historic. He has rewritten the record books with his performances this year, and he's not even done yet. And he, he's only got like 140 innings, and he's rewritten so many records. Um, and he'll get to the end of the season, and he'll have, you know, rewritten some more. And, you know, he's accumulated a higher war than Zach Wheeler and Kevin Gosman and some of these other contenders in much fewer innings, which yeah. just shows his dominance, really. And the innings, it's not necessarily anything on Burns, but it's just really kind of how Craig Council has managed his pitching staff this year. So I think really when the voters look at it, uh, the, the focus on the number of innings shouldn't be as big uh, because for everyone, they're ramping back up from a shortened amount of innings last year in a shortened season. So everyone's trying to be cautious in ramping them up. And the Brewers have a different strategy, which means more rest, which means less starts, which means fewer innings. Mm -hmm. And that shouldn't really take away from Burns' case at all because he has been the best, most dominant pitcher in the National League. I feel like you were ready to get that off your chest. I feel like you you had that in your pocket. You were you were ready to go for a couple of hours because I first brought this topic up to you this morning. What I'm hearing is you're laying out all these stats, historically great, kind of like a Russell Westbrook MVP a couple of years ago in the NBA, right? Mm-hmm. And all of these cumulative season awards are judged a little bit differently. It's kind of based on year and situation. Sometimes you think, okay, best player, best team. Sometimes you think, oh, he's historically great. He's doing this. Russell Westbrook, when he won that MVP, he averaged a triple-double. And everyone's like, oh, well, no one has done this since Oscar Robertson. Oh, yeah, and he elevated his team to a, to a level that's acceptable. We are going to give him the MVP based on kind of historical... Uh, I- impressiveness, right? He's done things that we haven't mm-hmm. seen in so long. Maybe Corbett Burns has a little bit of that in his season right now. We're speaking with David Gasper, reviewing the brew. I have a council question, and I have a Yelich question. I was listening to an interview with Kyle Glazer, Baseball America, and he compared Craig Council to Bruce Bochy in the way that he has a feel and he has a touch for his pitching staff and when to pull a guy and when to send a specific guy in in a specific spot. And this is something that I like. I think everybody said for a while, I've never made the Bruce Bochy comparison. What I've been trying to parse through and think about, especially compared to the Brewers' divisional rival, the team that's chasing them, the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds rebuilt their entire bullpen at the deadline. They got all of these arms. They wanted to get better. 
and yet the Brewers are still navigating late innings, and we saw last week, just as good, if not better, than the Reds. Tell me, David Gasper, do you think that bullpen success is all about talent? Do you think it's about management and process, a combination of the two? What do you think the most important factor is in bullpen success? I think it's certainly a combination of the two because, you know, even with the best uh, management decisions, if you don't have the talent back there, there's not much you can do. And, you know, if you have all the talent in the world back there, if you have poor management decisions, um, it's not going to succeed. So, I mean, I I could kind of see that Bruce Bochy comparison. I mean, really kind of each manager is his own, but uh, Bochy has been regarded as one of the best managers in the game for a very long time, and there's a reason he stuck around in San Francisco for so many years, Um, and and that's because he was a really good manager, really good in the clubhouse, really good at managing his his pitching staff and his players, Um, and that's something that certainly describes Craig Council as well. Uh, And, you know, yeah, that, that bullpen management, I mean, the the Brewers have been very good in the bullpen uh, over the past several years, and part of that has been uh, finding the talent. You know, you, you look at David Stearns, and and then you also look at the the player development side. I mean, getting guys like finding guys like Jake Cousins and Miguel Sanchez and Justin Topa, finding those guys is great yeah. and all, but being able to develop them uh, to have the the nasty stuff that they have, and then having Craig Council being able to put them in situations to succeed. I mean, that's what really uh, kind of makes it. It's, it's a whole-of-team effort there uh, to make that bullpen work. So, um, really, Craig Council, is, is he's part of it for sure, and the way he's managed that pitching staff and kept uh, them healthy for the most part and uh, put them in situations to succeed, that has been huge for them, and that's been a big part of their success. Um, but it, it's a combination of, of that and the talent that they get and how they develop it as well. Well, yeah, and you mentioned talent. It also helps to have Josh Hader just kind of written yeah, in that, that, that does help. at the end of the game. Yeah, it's like, oh, okay. And by the way, when we get to the ninth, we can basically forget about that inning because we have one of the best relievers, uh, maybe the best closer in baseball. Yeah, that, that makes life a little bit easier too. Uh, final thing, this is more of a, a check-in question. This has been going for, I think, a week or two now. Not uh, – uh, what's his name? God, I can't even think of it. Not uh, Eric Lauer. I think we're done with him. I think my final decision on Eric Lauer was he played the Pirates like four starts in a row, and I think that's why he seemed really, really good. Not that he doesn't have a role maybe later on in the season, but we don't have to keep dwelling on him. Last week, you gave us three things to watch with Christian Yelich in uh, in context of him being back. Maybe not as an MVP, but as a, a viable superstar player that can drive an offense, right? Getting on base, hitting for power, hitting to all fields. The homers haven't been there, but the exit velocity is up. Something Will Salmon wrote about this week, and I referenced on yesterday's show with the help of a listener who pointed it out to me. I think the thing that's jumping out to me is he's going to all fields, right over the twin series, going to right and left, going to the center. And then I think last night, shooting the ball to all fields, he almost hit an opposite field one down the line past Chris Bryant. I think just by the metrics you gave us last week, those three bullet points, I think this is the best version we've seen of Christian Yelich this year. And, and I think it's very obvious, even without looking at the stats. If you're just watching, I think it's clear. Yeah, absolutely. He is certainly looking a whole lot better. And, yeah, he's going to the opposite field. He's hitting the ball with authority. Um, and he's getting that exit velocity. And, yeah, the home runs haven't quite been there yet, but that's probably going to be uh, the last thing of that to, to really kind of show up. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we, we've seen in the past uh, week or so, he's hitting the ball to left. He's hitting the ball to, to center. Um, he's not just pulling everything uh, on a ground ball to the right side. And, yeah, he still has his fair share of those. Yeah. Um, but he's been able to, to hit the ball to the opposite field uh, with, you know, hitting the barrel, with, with hitting the ball at 100-plus mile-an-hour exit below or 
um, whatever, just coming hard off the bat and getting it a little bit more in the air. You know, we've seen a lot more doubles from him lately, that's for sure. Um, and that's really kind of been huge for him to get that extra base hit ability up. Um, and then from there, it's just getting the ball in the air a little bit more. Um, and and that's where you get the home run power. So it's it's coming. He's certainly a lot better now than he had been earlier in the season. Uh, we're still probably a little bit away from uh, the power, but who knows? I mean, that, that could come back really uh, at any moment. So uh, he's he's gotten it going so far, um, and that's just a, a great sight to see. David Gasper, this series this week is an absolute treat, and I can't wait to lose out on hours and hours of sleep tonight and tomorrow night. And then we have an afternoon show on Thursday. So not only do I lose that on sleep, but then on Thursday, the game is going to cover up my show completely. So I kind of get a, a day off, too. This is a win, 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 win all week long. Some amazing baseball, and I'm glad we could talk about it, David Gasper. You're going to the Timber Rattlers game tonight. Is that correct? I am. I am. God, the grind doesn't yeah, check stop. out a uh, first-round pick, Sal Freelix, now up there. Also, my guy, Hedbert Perez, moving up to Low A, Carolina. Absolutely love to see that. Um, but, yeah, just a huge group of talent up there in, uh, in Appleton. So, got to take a chance to check it out. Keep grinding, man. I appreciate the time. Take care. All right. Thanks a lot, Grant. Take care. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yeah. Now, a training camp update. In Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers releasing several players today to get to the 53-man roster. Now they're scheduled to play the Saints on week one, but where the game will be played is in question. The Saints' final preseason game against the Cardinals had to be canceled over the weekend after Hurricane Ida struck Louisiana. Head coach Sean Payton evacuated his team to Texas, where they'll practice in the Cowboy Stadium this week. Payton held a teleconference yesterday from the team hotel. Do you focus on the things you can control? There's a weight room in the hotel. It's 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 modest at best, and yet we have opportunity at SMU. We want the Olympic lifts. We've got a fantastic you know stadium. You know we'll practice in the next three days. That's going to be indoor. You know we're we're going to obviously be in a controlled environment there. Meeting room space here. We get the whole ballroom set up at the hotel we're at with more than enough space and meeting rooms. Matt Lafleur says he had a similar experience when he was on the staff of the Houston Texans, and says he's waiting to find out from the NFL if the game will be in the Superdome. I know that the league's monitoring it uh, certainly and. Obviously, your, your thoughts are with all those people down there that are going through this. I know from my own experience, I was in Houston in 2009 and going through Hurricane Ike. And, you know, I just hope they do right by everybody and help everybody stay safe down there. And, and I'm sure we'll figure it out later. Best Packers coverage. That's Mike Clements. Appreciate Mike. We'll hear from him one more time right before 6 o'clock. My name is Grant Bills. This is the Wisco Sports Show, but you know that. Well, unless you don't. In that case, uh, welcome. We're going to get hot and heavy into the Packers and everybody they released and what I think of the releases. Got a text from (laughs) Hunting Poodle Guy. I love people who create their own nicknames because I never could have come up with Hunting Poodle Guy. Said, looking forward to your overview of the Packers cuts. What were your two to three biggest surprise cuts and why? Well, hunting poodle guy. We are going to have an overview of who they got rid of, who they kept. J.K. Scott is out. Hunter Bradley sticking around. The wide receivers were the six we thought. The running backs, the six we thought. The tight ends, the ones we thought. Some folks were surprised that Ben Braden got cut. What? Whatever. 
Um, we're going to talk about a lot of those moves coming up next, but the general spirit of probably the the 5 o'clock to the 5.15 segment is going to be why I don't find any of these moves particularly surprising. I think we buy into the preseason, we buy into training camp, we buy into all of these players that we shouldn't buy into. And then when they're cut loose, we're like, oh, ha, 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 shocked. No, it's, you know how hard it is to make a 53-man roster? It's almost impossible. So I'm not really surprised when any of these guys get let go. I was surprised, but I guess not totally blown away. I guess it makes sense. The Patriots got rid of Cam Newton today. That was surprising. And the Vikings just cut Everson Griffin, which I, <laughs> I like. It's just funny because he said that Kirk Cousins was ass last year, and he's like, I'll apologize, and then they ended up cutting him. <laughs> so that surprises me that Everson Griffin is out. None of the Packers' cuts surprise me all of that much. The Vikings, by the way, Courtney Cronin just tweeting this out. Everson Griffin out. Amir Abdullah is out. Their number three running back. Their long snapper is out. Dakota Dozier is gone. And cornerback Ty Smith. So a little breaking news about the Vikings. That was their last round of cuts with the Packers. New punter, like I said. Hunter Bradley made it, but that doesn't mean he won't be gone tomorrow for somebody else. They cut linebacker Dejon Harris. Not to be confused with the delicious variety of mustard. I couldn't even say brown is gone. That's not a surprise at all. See, are any of these shocking you? Are these moves surprising you? No? Exactly. That's kind of what I want to talk about. Coming up next, your thoughts and your opinions are welcome. Let's get hot and heavy, folks. 608-796-2558. First, very quickly, Bob Stock, before we move off the Brewers. I totally agree with Gasper on his assessment of Yelich. He's starting to get healthy now and is spreading the ball to all fields. This is not only the best he's looking this year, but last year as well. Might not be wrong. I didn't consider that. They're not cheap hits either. The home runs will come. Go Brewers. Bob, way to take us home. Way to take us to 5 o'clock and just put a pin in the Brewers. Let's go all out for the Packers. Cut day. Soon it's week one. New punter. All of that. Coming up next, but first, a sports update with our buddy Zach Heilprin of the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. The light Wildflower seed in the sand. 